um, race called life. What happens? Because obviously Paul is not um, speaking about a little race. I believe that he's telling us and speaking to us about life. There are many races in our lives. We race to pay the bills so that our lights don't shut off. Am I right? We race to put gasoline in a car so that our car doesn't shut down. There's races in our lives. There's some simple, basic um, um, races. I've been known to run to the time clock so that I can clock out on time or clock in on time. All right? So I don't get in any trouble. There's races Every day. Races to get our kids to school on time. We race and race and race. But there are some races that have life or death and results. Obviously, if you don't um, get to the doctor on time or get treated for your condition, there can be an end result that can be destructive. We all compete. We all have our challenges. We all prepare. But what happens when that preparation doesn't help our situation? Winning a race requires purpose and discipline, self-control, hard work, and self-denial. But not every time all that training comes through for us. But as believers, in which the second part is saying, um, is speaking to the believers, because our crown in the, at the end of the road is a crown that would be through eternity. But what happens? What should we do when we find no one there, when there's no one by our side, when we find ourselves pondering different thoughts? I believe that we should just learn how to wait on the Lord. Romans 8.28 tells us, and we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. All things works for good. Sometimes, because we're in that race, we don't want to be still. We have the know-how. We have the capacity. So we attempt to do it with our own recognizance, with our own strength. But the scriptures clearly tells us not to lean on our own understanding. Our understanding is not necessarily the right thing to do. Or know-how is not necessarily the right thing that God wants to, us, us to do. But we understand, according to the scriptures, that all things work for good for those that love him. In other words, God is looking at our lives, and the same way of race, there's a beginning, there's also an end. And God is looking at the end before you can even get there. There's a plan. There's a destiny for us. And the hardest thing to do at times is Wait, we get antsy. But those, Isaiah 40, 31, who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Just like that brother that found himself weak, vulnerable. He didn't have the strength, but along came a brother And sometimes, as I explained, there's no one there, but if you wait on the Lord, it says that they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. He will give you the strength to overcome. He will give you what you need in life to be victorious. 
But we must learn from the ant. Proverbs 30, 25. Ants are creatures of, of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. I like looking at it as if preparing for this race that we have a bucket list. A bucket list of promises of the Almighty. A bucket list where we can reach down deep to get the word to help us overcome our situation. Maybe for not that moment, hallelujah, you may need those promises. But if you store them up, if you guard them up, if you keep them within you, that word. His word is faithful to help us overcome the most difficult situation. And we'll look back. And realize that the race that we've been running all along, when we have felt that we've been alone, we have not been alone because our Lord and Savior has been carrying us all the way. That the footprints that we see behind is not our steps, but the steps of our Lord and Savior. Ants don't have strength. And I believe that's the center of, of this conversation on this morning is those moments like those ants, they're little, they don't have strength, but yet they store up. They prepare for that difficult moment. As I mentioned earlier, we prepare for those difficult moments with the word. That is our strength. Bible, the Bible tells us in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives us strength. All things. When you feel faint, when we feel like we're not going to cross that threshold, when we find ourselves like as we are alone, all things are for his glory, but we can do all things through him that gives us strength. This life shoots us some curveballs. Every Saturday, um, we feed people um, in North Philadelphia to God be all the glory because we want to encounter uh, men and women that are in their own race because we are all in the race whether you know it or not. Because at the end of the road, we all have to see Jesus face to face. We encounter men and women that are in their own race and they find themselves without strength. But we want to be that brother in the time of difficulties, in the time of weakness, to be the ones there to give them the strength to overcome. Many that are living life without hope have no idea of what they want in their lives. They're living in the present but believers, we know that the end of our road, our, at the end of our road, we struggle, we fight, we pray, we fast, because we know that at the end, we want to see Jesus face to face. But what happens when you don't have that vision? What happens if you don't have that hope? It's as if in the middle of your race, you're finding yourself falling as I mentioned before, it's unfortunate that um, we know um, by experience that um, working in hospitals and so forth, that sometimes when men and women find themselves at, at the end result because of what they're um, utilizing, and some at that point, is, they're using um, drugs, and when they hit them with Narcan, Narcan to wake them up, they come out fighting. They come out angry. They're upset. Because they prefer death over life. My people perish because they have no vision. The people, so God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
the world. He loves everyone. But some of them need us to be those big brothers to come along and help them stand up and better understand that there's more to life than death. There's more to life than death, but some prefer death over life. But thank God that we know that we know that someday that no matter what struggles we may have on this side of the earth, when it's all said and done, we will live eternally with no pain, with no more tears. We will see him for what he is. There's a story in the scriptures that um, speaks about a similar story, two brothers, and it's found in the book of Luke 15, 11 through 32. One of the youngest brothers found himself uh, wanting to leave the house. So he asked for his inheritance. Well, the, clear, the Bible clearly depicts that um, He took that money. He left home because he just believed that um, away from the father was the best thing that can ever ever happen to to him. He left, and it tells us that um, he spent all his money in this dishonorable ways. He misspent it. He found himself in a difficult situation um, to the extent that he started to think a little bit. That's about the moment that he didn't have anything to eat, he even considered eating the slop that the pigs would be eating. But he sat down and came to his senses. He thought to himself, well, if I was at my father's house, I would not be going through this. And he chose and he decided to go back home. See, he found himself With no one, no one to lift him up, no one to help him through the finish line. He found himself, just him, the pig pen, his thoughts, no money, and hungry. But there, in that difficult part of his life, is where he started to ponder about his father. Could it be that sometimes our struggles... The things that we're going through, the things that we don't understand, the things that we can't handle, we've misspent everything. We find ourselves in the spiritual realm hungry for more. Could it be that God is trying to grab our attention? Could it be that at that moment, exactly what's happening is because God allowed it so that you can start to meditate and think about coming back to the loving arms of a heavenly father and all the blessings that he gives us for being obedient to his word. Our circumstance at times is that God permits it so that we can turn back and look at him as the great father that he is. The world finds other means to resolve their situations. But as I read earlier that we are to wait on the Lord. And if we wait, eventually we will soar. We'll fly high like eagles and we'll run and not grow weary. We will walk and not be faint. He'll give us the tools to be overcomers. But we need to put our meditation on the Heavenly Father. So even before um, he got to the father's house, it says that the father ran to him. The father ran to him. That's the love that the heavenly father has with 
All of us, when we find or have found ourselves a loss without hope or far away from him, we think that we're running to him, but the reality is that he loves us so much that he's coming to us. He's running towards us. That's the love that he has for us. He loves us unconditionally. This is a story that I relate to, to, to many of the ones that we serve, that it doesn't matter what we've done, what we haven't committed, what we've misspent, what, what we don't have, what we have. He loves us incon- unconditionally. And what the father did when his son came back home, he put the best robe on him. He put a ring on his finger. He put sandals on his feet. And next, throughout the house, a sound of music in celebration. Don't you know that when we come to our Heavenly Father, when we make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, there's also a celebration in the heavens? But going back to the story, but meanwhile, the older older brother was in in, in the field, and he hears the music and dancing. There was a sound of music. So he asked the servant, what was going on? He responded, your brother has come safely home, and your father made a feast. The brother became angry. The brother was so angry that he did not want to be part of that celebration. And his father had to come out and speak to him. He says, don't you know that your brother was dead and is alive again? That he was lost and is found again? Some of us, and I can say this for myself. I remember when I decided 30 years ago that I was going to go into rehab. Not everyone wants to see you doing well. The devil has come to kill, to lie, and to destroy. He'll lie to you. He'll raise up those that are next to you to try to tear you down. Because the enemy knows that he has a, that Jesus, that the Lord has a divine plan in your life. His ob- objective It's to undo the plan that God has for you. He'll come at you with weapons. But the Bible said that if if there's no weapon formed against you that shall prosper, if you have the Lord as your Savior, if you have enough stored up when those moments of difficulties come up against you, the Word will make you victorious. The Word will give you the hope that you need to hold on. The Word will hold you up. The Word will help you cross that threshold. The enemy is a liar from the beginning of time. We knew that he misinterpreted the word what God has for you is a divine blessing the enemy will show up looking royal looking beautiful he'll start lying to you he'll come to you in many different forms but remember that we need to depend on the Holy Spirit that dependency is what we should have gird up to know who is God who know who know to know what is the Holy Spirit 
Because John 10, 10 says that the, the enemy has come to lie, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come to give you life and life in abundance. That's when they were making a comparison. They were saying that basically that everything that Jesus was doing was because he was basically the enemy. But he had to clearly explain. He said, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. But the enemy has come to kill you. The enemy has come to lie and take your life. We need to be able to discern who is God and who is the enemy in a race you have a lot of competitors but in a race like this that we seen up on that screen we seen someone that was on the same team we have someone that's on the same team and he said he won't never leave us nor forsaken us we shall be tempted. Some of us will be thrown into prison. Some of the enemy will try to take us out. But one thing that we know, he said, I will never leave you nor forsaken you. I will, I will be with you to the end of time. So if you're here today and you're listening to my simple conversation with you on this morning, basically what, what, what I wanted to express to you is that Paul is telling us to run this race, but know that in this race, the enemy doesn't want us to cross that threshold. The enemy wants to stop us from receiving what God has prepared for all of us. You know, and he's waiting for some of us because the race that... Uh, Paul is really telling us about is that race of being a believer. The race of preparing for the end result and is coming before our Lord and Savior. And this race is from cradle to the grave. This race starts from we first take our first breath of air when we're born. The race begins then and it concludes when you, that breath is taken away from you, then and only then we've crossed that threshold. Because the Bible tells us that absent from the body, present with the Lord. You know, many times those that are running in the race without Christ, we have a little tactic in one of our tables. We have, um, you guys know the little huggies, little bottles of food coloring and sugar and water, huggies. And we use that as a tactic. Um, many are, that are without God, without hope, as Jesus had compassion on those that were walking like sheep without a shepherd. Um, They're lost, and what we do is um, we offer them a hug. And this is this is pretty cool tactic because the Bible, the Heavenly Father tells us to be as wise as serpents, but as humble as doves. So what we do is um, we we offer them a hug, and then I say, "Hey, you want another one?" 
They say, yeah. So I walk over and hug them. Because there's a lonely place in this race sometimes. Some of these men and women haven't been hugged for months, maybe even years. Some of these men and women, um, the first thing they tell you is when you go to hug them, they say, no, I smell. But we know that God has a divine plan for their lives. And we go on and love on them. Love covers a multitude of sin. 99.9 of the times when we go to, when we hug them, when we go to hug them, the first thing they say is, no, I smell, automatically. Then you go on to hug them. The second thing that happens when you love them with the love of the living God and the loving, merciful God in which we serve, when we, when we hug them with that love, what starts to happen is their eyes start to well up and some of them commence to cry because they haven't felt that touch of a human being. But as believers, we know that they're in a race that they're losing and they're going to lose, but we intercede. We become their coaches to some extent to show them this is the way, this is the life, this is victorious, this is the way you will receive the joy that only the Spirit can give you. Don't you know, and I know, That without Jesus, you can attempt to have all the fun you have. You can have all the money. You can have all the cars, all the houses. But unless you have Jesus on your side, you will not experience love, joy, happiness, patience, endurance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we come to him, see, we need, we coach them. We're their coach. They're in a race. They don't know that the end result of their race is destruction. The end of their road is only but death. But we know that there's another way. We come, we give, not because of giving. Jesus said, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men.